Hallelujah. Father, we just come before you now as we are always before you. And Lord, in your presence is where we always are. We just thank you, Lord, that we can take this moment outside of the lives that we live to sit at your feet. Father, we just pray, inspire us, teach us, speak to our hearts. We will do our bit, Lord God. We will prepare our hearts to hear and receive this morning. And we ask that your word will do it because it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish that for which it was sent. Pierce our hearts today, Lord God, as your word declares. Divide bone, divide marrow. Speak directly to who we are. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. So good to be here, isn't it? Why don't you say that? It's so good to be here. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You awake, you awake this morning? Yeah? Yeah, sure. So last week, um, last week I uh, spoke about us um, as individual Christians and as the church of God being a walking encounter. Okay? Now, for some of you, that might be interesting language, but that's okay. I'm only in my 30s, so I can speak interestingly. Amen? So if you, if you don't uh, resonate with that word, uh, walking encounters, because either you're too young or you're too old, then uh, I'm just going to say to you, get a revelation from the Lord in the words that you understand. But I'm going to use that word, walking encounter, all right? Because I want our city to encounter the living Christ. And he will, they will only do that through you. Because God has chosen to use human beings to be his representative here in this world. So turn to the person next to you and say, I have been chosen to be an encounter for my neighbor. Say it again. See if you can say it without me doing it, eh? Come on. Very good, very good. So that's cool. So last week I, uh, well, let me just start off by saying a couple of things. God is happy. I'm going to say that again because obviously didn't hit your heart. God is happy and he's pleased with you. Amen. He's pleased with you. You've got to come to a revelation that God is happy with you. That he's not here to judge you. He's already judged you in Jesus. Right? So we've got to start changing some of these things in our life. He's happy. Yeah? And his plans and purposes were fulfilled in Jesus. Fulfilled. Play with the word a little bit. It was fully filled in Jesus. Right? There isn't any more to be done. Jesus said, it is what? Right, so get an understanding. It is finished. He's fulfilled his work in Christ. Therefore, he's not standing back ready to judge you for your past. That is done. It's gone. It's dealt with in Jesus. Fulfilled. I also use this scripture, Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. If that be true of the evil man, as he plots evil, as he thinks in his heart, that's how he is. Then so it be true of the redeemed man. As you are, as you think in your heart, so you will be. And if you allow it to transform the way you think, you will be that walking encounter that is needed in our society. Amen? Yeah, and then this last scripture is how I started. And I'm going to ask you to stand because I want you to stand again. 
for this. Right? You ready? Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Psalm 107 verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for he is steadfast love endures forever. And this is the one I want you to get. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Right? Whom he has redeemed from trouble. Just let that sink in. Just let that sink in. Whom he has redeemed from trouble. God has redeemed me from trouble. God has redeemed you from trouble. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Yeah? And we'll just sit that for a a moment. We'll sit in it. The word that was spoken as a prophetic word to us this morning, prophetically speaking over our lives, that Christ is enough. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Christ is enough. You start speaking that over your life, Christ is enough for me. Then every worry, every concern that you have, will start to fail into insignificance and you will start to realize that Jesus is not only the yes, but he's also the amen for everything that you are declaring over your life. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The challenge for you, church, is to start getting this and start speaking it over your life. You're in trouble? Then don't speak trouble over your life. Speak the truths of Scripture over your life so that you can begin to see and declare and your circumstances will change. Amen. Take your seats. Amen. And then, uh, that, so this is just introducing, all right? And then while we're sitting there and uh, Rod was declaring um, this in our lives and we had to speak it over our lives that Christ is enough, someone in the congregation gave me a scripture, First uh, Kings chapter 19. If you want to take yourself there this afternoon and research it, it's, uh, it's a very interesting passage of scripture and it confirms some things in my heart, but it's this whole story around Elijah running from the threats of Jezebel. But you see, in the midst of that, 1 Kings chapter 19, if you study it, but in the first seven verses on the seventh verse, it says that Jesus was ministered to, that Christ came to him, the angel of the Lord came to him. Christ is enough. Even in your darkest moments when you think you need to run, you think you need to flee, Christ is enough And Elijah began to find strength and Elijah began to go on and continue in the journey where he met the Lord. And God strengthened him for what the last thing that he had to do. Christ is enough and he is your all. Amen. See, so uh, if you want to study that in your own time, go for it. But it's 1 Kings chapter 19, just to confirm some of the things that Pastor Rodney was sharing. So I'm doing a little recap. Um, because today I'm doing part two of this walking encounters and uh, I just really feel in the spirit that I might even be doing part four, five and six of this one because I think God is really wanting to speak to us about who we are, about how he's empowered us, how we can live renewed and how we can be Christ to our community. Amen. So uh, I looked at Romans chapter 12 last week and verse 2, just to recap. I'm not going to recap all of that passage that I read, but it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, it's about renewal of our mind. We will never transform our society. We will never be a walking encounter if we allow the things that um, are up here 
dictate, which is the things of the world, which are the things of man, which even the things of religion dictate to us how we are to respond. The Word of God must dictate how we are to respond. And I said last week that in the Holy Spirit coming and making himself resident in us, the fullness of Christ came and made himself resident in us. When you read uh, Ephesians, that every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ in the heavenly realms. It's not saying that they're out there for you to achieve. Every blessing in the spiritual realms is yours now, is what it's saying. It's in you, in the Holy Spirit. He's part of you and he's resident as he made your spirit new. And as your spirit is new, you will hear what the Spirit says to you and it will transform the way you think. And I'm going to speak into this probably next time. But the way you think needs to be peeled back. It needs to be peeled back a little bit. Because there's things in our life that we have put there or the world has put there or even our religion has put there. The doctrines that we've believed or the things that we have taught or the things that we have heard over our Christian walk that are holding us back. And we need to renew it so we can be Christ to our community. Does that make sense? Because sometimes things are shared, things are said to us from the Word of God to justify what we see happen instead of encourage us to push into God so we can get more of a spiritual breakthrough, more of what God has for us as a church and as His sons and daughters. Okay, This person didn't get healed. Well, maybe God wasn't ready to heal today. When we try and find arguments in Scripture that will back up our thinking. But no, God is always ready to heal because of His person, because of His character. Jesus was always ready to heal and Jesus was the complete representation, the character of God in bodily form. And Jesus never said no. And if He did, and there was the occasion that He did say no, He responded because of the faith of that Samaritan woman. Or he responded because of the faith of that centurion. God is always ready to heal. And we need to change the way we think about things. Amen. Because Christ is enough. So I said last week, if you might remember, this was my one line that I want you to take home. Mind renewal opens the door for us to bring encounter to our world. Mind renewal opens the door. It is the key that will see you walking in the supernatural life. It is the key that will help you walk in victory in every situation of your life. That's not saying that you're not going to go through trials. It's not saying you're not going to go through temptations. It's not saying that the Spirit of God is going to take you through a place because He wants to grow your character. But you've got to know that the key of it is, as I am renewed in that place, I will find victory. As he leads me through this, there is a greater capacity, a greater glory that I'm going to step into as he leads me. Does that make sense? Because he's always continually growing us and helping us to understand. So let's read 1 Corinthians today. We'll start with this text. I also shared last week that we were like a a new covenant ark. And I'm going to speak the opposite side of that into the ark this morning as well. But let's look at 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 10, and we'll hear what the apostle says to the church. He says, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts 
of God except the Spirit of God. I want to say first and foremost, in our frailty, in our humanity, when we were lost to sin, we could never imagine God's heartbeat. In fact, I would go as far as to say that the majority in this room are Gentile Christians. Would that be right? That you are not born a Jew, you are a Gentile Christian. So therefore, the only impressions of God we could have had is that he was full of wrath towards the Gentiles. We also have the impression that through his people, he chose to reveal himself, but they didn't do the best job. Sometimes as a church, we don't do the best job of revealing God. And God is speaking to us and he wants us to prepare our hearts so that we can reveal him better. And, and, and not walk out of fa- uh, a place, walk out of our faith. So that's really annoying. Sorry, just might need a new battery or something. The only impression I could have had as I read the Old Testament, not knowing who God is, is that he was full of wrath to me, that he hated me, and that he was ready to destroy me. Does that make sense? The revelation of God in the Old Testament to those who did not know him or had never had a revelation of who he was is not a very kind one. And we could never know his thoughts toward us. In fact, separated from God, the Bible declares, Paul himself declares that we were enemies of God. It's a good place to be, isn't it? The passage reveals to us that God's thoughts are not naturally discerned, but in fact understood only by His Spirit. Therefore, you try and understand God in your humanity. If you try and understand God with your intellect or with your own knowledge and your own wisdom, you will fail. Because the only thing you will understand is that you need to appease Him. That you need to make it right because you are His enemy. And now we start to get into a place that religion starts to step in. If you try and understand God on your own thoughts, you then start to see that you need to step into works to make him happy with you. And you are then caught up in your own mind, your own thinking, your own doctrines and your own religious view. Because man can never, ever, ever reach out to God. We try, but we fall dismally short. And if you are here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ, you will understand even clearer than what I am saying. Because in your efforts, in your attempts, you are falling short. Because that's what Romans 3 declares to us. Every person has fallen short of God's glory. We will never, ever, ever make it up in our humanity. So we need to stop trying because God made a way. The way is Jesus Christ. He declared to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, God made a way open. And we will never, ever understand God based upon our knowledge of him. We can only understand God upon what the word of God declares as the spirit reveals to us. And when the Spirit reveals to us the person, the nature, who God is, the love of God, and how He set us free through Jesus Christ, His Son, then we start to get a transformed mind. And I said last week, it's not about us getting knowledge and 
getting head knowledge down to our heart that will transform us. No, it's the other way around. We have the fullness revealed to us in the Word. The Spirit of God brings that into our lives and He transforms us as we read the Word, as we come to the understanding of who God is. It renews our mind, therefore it renews our living and renews our example to our community. So if we want to be a walking encounter of God, we can't do it with our religious activity. We can't do it with our exercises of trying to um, reach out and help. A social justice gospel will never change and transform our community. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ will. And when you get a revelation of that, it will transform you on the inside out and through your mind and you'll be that walking transformation and you'll become a walking epistle, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, Remind Renewal opens the door for us to bring encounter to our world. So this passage that I just read talks about only the Spirit of God can reveal who God is to your mind. Only the Spirit of God can reveal the mind that is God. And it continues and says in verse 12, Now we have received not the Spirit of this world, please say amen to that, but the Spirit who is from God. If you are in Christ, if you are saved, if you are born again, you are in Christ And you have received not the spirit of this world, you've received the spirit of God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. I want you to say freely given. The word is grace. God gives freely of himself to you that you will be transformed, that you'll be a walking miracle in him. He has freely given all. He has held back nothing. God holds back nothing from you. You don't, if you think that God is holding something back from you, then you need a little more mind renewal. You need to actually peel back another layer because God has given you the fullness in Christ. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead now resides in you. Is that true? Is that a reality? If it's the same spirit, if it's the same Holy Spirit that was able to raise Jesus from the dead, then surely he's able to raise us from the dead as we need to renew our minds and living dead lives. And I'm just saying, can you hear my heart? I'm actually preaching today not to bring judgment. I'm preaching to the point that we need to change and live transformed. And if you allow yourself, the Holy Spirit, to speak through your heart, you will be changed and you will be alive. And everything that was formed against you, every weapon, every argument, every attack that is formed against you will not prosper Because you're no longer living in this place of, well, maybe just God's removed his hand of protection on me today. No, he's promised it. And we need to teach ourselves. We need to train ourselves. We need to renew our thinking. If he's promised it, then I need to believe it. And that needs to settle it. Okay? So we see that it's a grace thing that he has given us the entirety of his spirit. He holds nothing back. Verse 13, and we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And if it didn't resonate with you this morning that Christ is enough, and this is a challenge even to me, if I can't say Christ is enough, then I need to get a revelation on the inside of who Christ is, that it takes away that other thing that's saying that he's not quite enough. And as I think, well, Christ, you're not enough in this situation. 
well, then I need to get a revelation of who Christ is as the word reveals it and ask the Holy Spirit to make it real, that it transforms me so that I can say that in every situation, in every circumstance, Christ is enough. And that's what we have to do. Verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Hey guys, sometimes we grab a scripture like this and we say, well, maybe it's because you know, they, people can't understand the gospel because it's folly to him. But Paul's actually writing to the church. Paul's actually writing to Christians. Paul's actually writing to those who have received Christ already, that have received salvation. And he's actually telling them, those of you that are stuck in this natural mindset, you're not able to understand them. You're not able to understand the things of God. And therefore, you need to settle this even in your prayer closet with him as you do your devotion with him, as you spend time reading the word with him, as you read something in there of all the benefits, as you read through Ephesians, for example, of all the benefits of what it is to be in Christ, you declare that over your life. Let the redeemed of the Lord say what? So. If God has redeemed me, I'm going to speak this over my life and I'm going to speak it to the point that I actually get it. And that God's going to bring transformation to my life. Okay? Verse 15. The spiritual person judges all things. Are we now spiritual? If we are born again, are we not spiritual? The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. Judged by the natural man, including our old man. So what that means is, what I wrote there, just to prompt myself, we're not to be judged by the natural man. So if someone's judging you from a worldly perspective, then you need to see that it's a worldly perspective and not take on board their judgment. If your mind is judging you from the old man, if your mind is judging you from the thing that should be dead, then you actually need to tell it to back off because it's dead and that you're alive in Christ. And what your mind says about you is not truth. What Jesus says about you is. And you need to allow the revelation of that to bubble through your life and begin to transform you. That's why we need to say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. All right? So judgment needs to actually be assessed in that context. But let me tell you, if a person comes to you who is spiritually minded, and says to you that there's something in your life that's actually out of kilter, it's out of order, and you say you have no right to judge me, then who's in error? The person who responds with you had no right to judge me because the Word of God has every right to help challenge you and transform you into who God's called you to be. We're so quick as, as a church, not our church, the entire church, the entire um, church of today are so quick to jump on this bandwagon you have no right to judge me but that's not biblical it's not biblical we do have a right to speak into your life not from a judgment point of view where you're going to be condemned but from the point of view that's going to encourage and bring correction and help you hear the father's voice in your life so that you can be changed and transformed because we belong one to another last week i spoke about us being a body that we are members. And if one of us is actually walking limp, then the entire body walks limp. So if we're walking limp, then surely 
a member of the body has the right to come around and encourage them and help them find victory in that area so that they can be strong and strengthened. So we've got to get over ourselves. And guess what? It's the natural mind that says, you can't judge me. It's the natural mind that says, hey, you're speaking conviction over my life or you're speaking judgment over my life. No. But if we would move aside our mind and allow the spirit to respond to what it's saying, then we would say yes and amen and brother help me or sister help me that I may be right before God and I may be right before my fellow man. Because isn't that the heart of love? Isn't that the heart of love that each and every one of us be walking in victory in our lives? No, they'll keep moving. And verse 16, this is how we finished last week was just this verse. And so you'll remember it. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You begin to speak over your life that you have the mind of Christ. Then that temptation that the devil throws in your eyes to maybe switch the TV on at a later date, a late time of the night so that you can see those naked women that are on SBS. You say, well, I have the mind of Christ. Then maybe you'll find a little bit of victory and you'll walk away from the TV and realize that it's a temptation. Because if you have the mind of Christ here, and you want to walk out of victory, and you start to speak, I have the mind of Christ, and all of a sudden you have power over those words of temptation. You have power over that temptation in your life, and you're able to decipher and discern that Jesus wouldn't want to be in that predicament. Therefore, if Jesus doesn't want to be in that predicament, why should I put myself in that predicament? And you can put that in any area that you're struggling with in your life and sin. If Jesus doesn't want to be there, then why should I be there? And that, that'll be the thing that actually gives you victory in that place. That is grace at work. Paul, Paul uses that illustration very, um, I don't even remember which book, but he talks about who, who would then join themselves to a harlot. It's very strong language. Who would join the Spirit of God to a prostitute? So if he's very clear and very pointed and very straight in that area, then surely we can do it in all the little sins that we muck around with you see but if i'm renewed if i'm redeemed and hey guys i got i'm learning this myself as i'm speaking to you guys i'm speaking to myself as much as i'm speaking to you if i'm carrying jesus into a situation he doesn't want to be in then i get conviction holy spirit starts tapping me on the shoulder and he starts saying hey i don't want to be here this isn't right and if if you start to dull out the voice of the holy spirit in your life then you'll become deaf to him. You will not be attuned to him. And it will become easy for you to do those things. Yeah? But if Jesus is there, then sin is not in your heart. Sin is not in your spirit, man. And you've got to realize that this isn't actually coming from you. This is a temptation from the enemy who has laid a snare for you to capture you and lay guilt and heap guilt upon you. And sometimes we're weak enough to fall into his snare. Amen? I can, be that, I can admit that to you right now. Sometimes I'm weak enough that I fall into his snare. And that just shows me that I am dependent upon Jesus. I am dependent upon his Holy Spirit. But you'll find victory as I find victory, as I realize Jesus doesn't want to go into this area. And I don't have to go into this area because it's dead from me. Jesus paid the price and covered that in me and it's gone. 
and I can tell that devil to rack off and I can walk away from the temptation not having fallen in that area of sin. Does that make sense? Does that help you a little bit? That it's not you doing work to be able to overpower the thought process for you to step into sin. It's not you doing that. It's actually just responding to Holy Spirit who doesn't want to go there and says of you, that's not who you are anymore. That's not who you are anymore. That's not who you are anymore. You're no longer that sinner. That sinner is dead. You are the redeemed of the Lord. You are the son, the child of the most high God. How about we start living like that? And you say, yes, Holy Spirit, I'm going to live like that. And I'm going to find victory in this area. And you walk away and you say, rack off, devil. I've got nothing to do with you. But if it's a sin that's in your life that, that has been haunting you for so long, you're going to need to be a little bit more persistent in that. Because the very next opportunity that comes for you to do that, he's going to be right there back on your shoulder just to see if you're a man of your word or a woman of your word. And you're going to have to say, no, that's not who I am. The redeemed of the Lord say so. That is not who I am. And I'm going to have victory in this. Rack off, devil. And you turn off the television and you walk away, according to my analogy there. You see, you'll find victory as you stand up and begin to speak out who you are in Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Amen. This is the importance of renewing our mind. This is not so we can be holier than now. This is not so we can, we can have something over the world and say, I'm perfect. This is so we can be real and relevant. Amen? So that we actually have a message that says, you know, I found victory in that area. And how I did that was through Christ. Nothing of myself. It was all of him. And as you stand and you give that testimony to people, they will want what you have. And they, will help, they will see that you've found victory in that. Amen? It's from this place that we launch. We do not enter the world in frailty. As we renew our minds, we secure victories over our fleshly nature. Old habits die out because they have no foothold in the mind of a renewed Christian. As we overcome our personal battles, as we find freedom from the mindsets that have held us captive by wielding the sword of truth of the word, we renew from the inside out through proclaiming by faith and expression. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Hear that? So you want to find victory, you don't want to take Jesus into those areas. Makes sense, doesn't it? And the life I now live in the flesh, this body, this tent, this thing that houses my spirit, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if there's an ailment in my body, then the word of God says, by his stripes you were healed. If I'm going to live in the faith of the Son of God, then I actually have to start proclaiming that over my life. Instead of proclaiming that the sickness has got its hold on me. This body lives in faith to the Son of God. And when you start to get a revelation of that, you will start to realize that even that small mustard seed faith that you have is powerful enough to remove a mountain. You don't need great faith. You don't need a lot of faith. You don't need much faith. You just need to realize you have faith. When you start to say so, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, I have faith, then that sickness must flee. Amen? Does that make sense? And sometimes you need to be persistent. Sometimes it tries to come back. Sometimes it, it, something in your life needs to be cha- changed. Something in your life is actually open the door for that to come back. You tell it to rack off and you fix your life up. Does that make sense? Like, I think we've overcomplicated the scriptures a little bit. Paul's quite strong there. 
And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. You are in Christ, who loved me and gave himself for me. Not who has judged me and said that I am worthless, but who loved me and gave up his own life that I may have victory. Okay, how about we say so over our own lives? Guys, I'm challenged by this word every day because every day I'm in my flesh in my old ways, I'm thinking there's things going on in my family that need, does not need to be going on. But I need to redeem myself in my thinking and say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If God has said that we have victory, then we have victory. And if God is powerful enough to heal us, then, we're pow- then he's powerful enough to help us walk in divine health. Amen? Let, so mind renewal opens the door for us to bring encounter to our world I'm going to conclude with three things that I want us to understand and uh, I could unpack this a little bit more. Um, But last week, just to build a little bit of a theme, last week I spoke about us um, carrying the presence of God into our city as new covenant arks. As the Shekinah glory of God rested upon the ark of the covenant, guess what? He's on you now. Your mind just doesn't see it. We ask God for more all the time, don't we? God, I want more of you. I want more of you. But he's already given you everything. So therefore, what's got to change is the way we think about what he's given us. He rests on you right now. Because God, you are in Christ, the word tells us. Therefore, when God looks at you, he looks at Christ. But you've got to realize that it's his spirit that's come upon you and has filled you. It's your spirit that's on you, and therefore you are a walking new covenant ark. And I said last week, it's not like the old covenant ark that got sat in the city of Jerusalem and everyone came to see it. We've got hundreds of arks that we can send out into our city that can transform it. Yeah? It's just we get the revelation that we get to carry, the privilege of carrying God into our community. We'll bring transformation. So I want to speak on the opposite side of that, in the sense that you are still new covenant arks. Because as we get a, renew, a mind renewal, and, and I, I haven't heard this anywhere. And I'm not saying that because I'm saying God's good. I, I'm just saying that to me, this is a revelation that came to me as I sat and prepared this. Because I know that not only am I in Christ, but Christ is in me. But this helps tangibly give me a picture of some of the things God has done in you. So let's look at this for a moment. My question What was contained in the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testament, depending on which Bible translation you're reading? Contained in the Ark are types or images of Jesus and also reveal to us some of the things of Christ in us. I want to suggest that for us this morning. If you want to go and have a look, Exodus 25, 16 says, And you shall put into the ark the testimony that I shall give you. This is referring to the tablets of the law that was inscribed by God's finger. Moses had to go and hew some stone and make second sec- a second set of tablets because he broke the first ones because of the lack of faith of the nation of Israel. Moses was gone for a number of days. I think it was 40 days. And uh, he comes down and uh, they've started to form some golden calves that they can worship. Sometimes some of the things we believe about 
uh, God or Christianity become like golden calves in our lives and we hang on to them for dear life, but they're actually idols to us and we need to transform the way we think. Sometimes we need to have a barbecue if they're real sacred cows. So in this ark, in this gold-lined box with two poles on it that were gold-lined, with upon it was the mercy seat or the judgment seat, the beamer seat. On it was the two cherubim, and, and in the middle of that was the uh, manifest presence of God, the Shekinah glory, I think you would have heard it called before. We find inside that is the law, the, the, new te- the, the, the covenant made by God with his people. Hebrews 9, 4 says, Having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a, this is in which, in the Ark, Paul, the writer of Hebrews, be careful there, in, uh, he says there was the golden urn which was holding manna. He says that Aaron's staff that budded was in there, and he says the tablets of the covenant were in there. Three things were in there. These three things, the golden urn, the jar that was containing manna. It talks about the provision of God. As the people of God wandering around the wilderness for 40 years, God did not let their sandals wear out, their clothes wear out, and he did not let them starve. He fed them. Each day they had to go out and collect the manna. And this is talking about the provision of God. That God will supply all your needs. Amen? And if you want to hear that from a New Testament covenant, read Philippians 4.19. It says, And my God shall supply every need of yours according to what? Your good works? No. According to His riches in glory in Christ. God supplies all your need. And represented in that ark was a golden urn containing manna that they collected thousands of years before. Well, it would be thousands of years now anyway. They found manna, speaking of the provision of God in your life. So in Christ and Christ in you, He fulfills every provision that you need. And we'll start with the most significant one. He fulfills your need to be redeemed, your need to be set free, your need to be saved. And if you've never encountered the love of God, if you've never encountered the salvation of God, you will see here that he provides in Jesus that provision. It says also in Colossians 1.27, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus is a type, the manna was actually a type of Jesus, and we know that, we've heard that before. And here in this gold box, we have a type of Jesus. Therefore, as new covenant arcs, we know Jesus resides within us. And coming with that is the fullness of his blessing according to his riches in glory. The manna represents also the manifestation of the word of God for the provision of God's people. In the manna, we see Christ and Christ in us. The second thing that was in there was the budding staff. And you can look it up in Numbers 17, what happened. But basically it was to settle a dispute of who was going to serve the Lord in the tabernacle. And and, uh, so they get a staff from every one of the leaders of all the tribes of Israel and God chooses 
Aaron of the tribe of Levite because the staff budded. Now, these staffs were dry. They were old. They were not fresh staffs cut. They were old, dead wood. And it was interesting that the staff was, made, was actually cut from an almond tree. Is that interesting to you? The, rud- the budding staff to me represents a dual type also. Christ in us, the staff was from an almond tree, the most vigorous and the earliest sprouting which we see in Jesus, the firstborn from among the dead. Not only did it bud, but it sprouted, blossomed and bore fruit as too with Jesus. Let me tell you, Jesus always produces a harvest. Something that was dead is now alive. Why? Because Christ is in you. Christ gives you the power to be alive. It's not your works. It's not what you've done. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. The most vigorous, the most... Um, who's seen the almond trees that were in flower? You would have seen pictures of someone's wedding recently that went and had shots done in the almond trees. They were full of flower, full of blossom. They were so pink. It was beautiful, wasn't it? The earliest tree that blossoms, the first tree that blossoms, the most vigorous tree that blossoms. Jesus being the firstborn from among the dead. That is him and he is in you. Yet it is also a picture of you and me. That which was dead is now alive in Christ. Amen. So as you are a walking ark, a new covenant ark, filled with the glorious presence of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, that which was dead is now alive in Christ. Amen. Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And the last thing that was in there were the tablets of stone. Inspire, inscribed by the hand of God himself. Let's look at what the prophets say of old in conclusion. Ezekiel 36, 25 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. I think he's, he's giving us a point there, God. What do you reckon? You'll be clean from all your uncleanness. Therefore, you're unclean. It's making it clear that you need to be cleaned because you are unclean. You will be clean from all your uncleanness and from your, all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart. Hear that? I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. There's stone. And give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God and I will deliver you from all your uncleanness and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine among you. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. He calls for fruit from your spirit. But he doesn't just ask you to do it. He graces you to produce. There is an abundant harvest and he's calling for you to do this. Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-one. because 
It's not just good enough we hear from Ezekiel. We might as well hear it from Jeremiah as well. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So he's talking about the law, the old covenant. He's talking about that which was inscribed upon stone and put into that ark. Okay. And who said Ezekiel? He said, I will remove the heart of stone. Old covenant. I will remove that and I will place in there a heart that is alive. I will place in there a heart that will respond under a new covenant. I'll keep reading. And it says, My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. There's that same word. He's going to write it upon the heart of flesh. Therefore, the fullness and the entirety, the completion of the law is already fulfilled in Jesus and he fulfills it in you already. It's done. It's written upon your heart. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. My question to you is this morning, do you know God? Do you know God? Why don't we stand to our feet? Do we know God? Or do we think we know God? I think before the Lord this morning, I think we can be open enough before God. You don't have to say anything to the person next to you. You don't have to say anything to me. You don't even have to come out the front this morning. But before God, we can be open and exposed and say, God, I want to know you more. God, I want to know you more. I see a line in the sand as I prepared this morning. I see a line in the sand. And we are either going to, as a church, we have to choose. We are going to either break away from the religious way of our thinking. Or we can continue in that if we like. Or we're going to have to start to understand, to be led by what the Spirit says of who we are. Do you need a revelation of the call of God on our life? That He calls you sons. We need to imbibe what Ephesians says to us. We need to let the Word of God filter from our hearts that which is there into our minds and bring transformation. We need to read the epistles of God that declare over our life that we have victory that we have salvation in Christ, that we have love and acceptance, that we are adopted into his family, that we are his, that we belong to God. And that it's not because of what we did. Therefore, we got to put that out. What I do is actually not important in the scheme of salvation. It was exactly what Jesus did. And from that place, as it renews, as it transforms, as it changes us, our heartbeat as a son of God, our heartbeat as a daughter of God is to live for God and to please Him. To be transformed by Him on the inside out. And our natural response will be that of obedience. Our natural response will be that of says, God, I am yours and you are mine. And my life, though it is not much, though it is not much, it is entirely yours. 
So why don't we this morning just take a moment to talk to our dad? Why don't we just this morning a moment say, God, whatever is in my life, I want to be open and vulnerable to you right now. I want to be exposed to your spirit right now. If there is something in my life that is holding me back, whether it be religion, whether it be false teaching, whether it be uh, a lack of understanding of the revelation of who I am in Christ and who Christ is in me, that he brings the fullness of the spiritual blessings that's available to me, that he has bring a new life that is producing fruit, that he has written the heart of, on the heart of flesh, the entirety of his commands, that he has put in us the manner, the promise of all provision. Then God, if it is something that is holding me back from that, then Lord God, I just give it over to you right now because this is my heart of worship. You have asked me, God, to live a life of spirit and truth Well, the truth is, Lord God, I don't want to be held back anymore. So I come to you now, God. I come to you now, God. We come, Lord God, as a body and we say, we don't want to be held back anymore. Lord, if there is something in us that is even even challenged right now, then we want to make a commitment that we will come home, we'll go to our homes, we will read the word. And we'll ask your spirit to bring revelation. Because, Lord, we don't want to be changed by a message. We want to be changed from the inside by your word. So we submit to your plans and your purposes now. There is a line in the sand, and I choose, Lord God, to live in the spirit of life. I choose to represent you well. I choose to be a walking encounter. Therefore, Lord, I choose to renew my mind. And I will not let tradition, I will not let religion, I will not let false doctrine hold me back anymore. I will not let the things of my own insecurity hold me back anymore because that is dead. And the life I live, I live in faith to you. It is yours. We come now. We just thank you, Lord. Father, I just pray a release of your spirit blessing right now. I know we have you, Lord. I know we contain you. I know you are upon us. But Father, a release of your manifest presence right now. Holy Spirit, touch each and every member of this church, each and every member of your church, your sons, your daughters. Holy Spirit, I just speak right now that you will just bring love to the front. That we will not only see that God is love and that Jesus is the full character expression of love but that in christ we too are to express love so lord help us express love as you grace us today in jesus name we pray amen